Our first reading is from Leviticus 19.34. The foreigner residing among you must be treated as your native born. Love them as yourself, for you were foreigners in Egypt. I am the Lord your God. And the second reading is from Luke 7, verses 36 to 50. Jesus anointed by a sinful woman. When one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went into the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. A woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house, so she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. As she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them and poured perfume on them. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Two people owed money to a certain moneylender. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back, so he forgave the debts of both. Now, which of them will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who had, given, who had the bigger debt forgiven. You've judged correctly, Jesus said. Then he turned towards the woman and said to Simon, do you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little, loves little. Then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. The other guests began to say among themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Um, so we had two readings, one, one quite long, um, one quite short, so we had Leviticus 19.34, um, the foreigner residing around you must be treated as your native born, love them as yourself, for you are foreigners in Egypt, I'm the Lord your God, and we come back to that, and then we had this long story about Jesus going to uh, Simon the Pharisee's house, and so Jesus goes to Simon's house uh, for dinner, and this woman turns up. She's described as a, a sinful woman. We don't know for certain. She was probably a sex worker. And she proceeds to wash Jesus' feet with her tears, kisses his feet, pours perfume, probably quite expensive perfume, all over his feet. Simon sees this, criticizes Jesus for allowing a sinful woman to touch um, him. And it, it appears he kind of thinks it's a bit of a, a gotcha moment. But... Um, Jesus kind of right back at him and says, I came into your house, you didn't give me water for my feet, you didn't give me a kiss, you didn't put oil on my head, but she did. She washed my feet with her tears and her hair, she kissed me, she poured perfume on my feet. And it's a great moment there, because Jesus was directly challenging Simon's implicit assertion that this woman deserved to be shunned. He counter-asserts that she's deserving of dignity and value, and on top of that, she's fulfilled the obligation that Simon didn't do. Now, without understanding the kind of cultural symbolism and practical necessity uh, associated with the kind of relationship between guests and a 
host in Jesus' time. This second passage might seem a little strange, or it definitely did to me um, the first time I read it. And that hooks back into that Leviticus um, passage. Um, the word translated as foreigner uh, in, in other versions is translated as stranger, sojourner, wayfarer, outsider, even alien. And part of this is because the environment of the kind of desert, the arid land in most of the Middle East is, is harsh. Uh, for a traveler, access to food and water was a matter of life or death. Most settlements would have been built near available water and wells, and so a traveler needed uh, access to water. So in, in ancient Israel, hospitality um, was not merely a question of good manners, um, but a moral institution. And in an ancient world without modern-day shops and hotels, this institution of hospitality was, was almost like a, a key infrastructure, a vital part of a functioning society and economy. So hosts would be expected to provide food and water and a bed for the night. But the first duty, the first thing you, you would do when someone came into your home was to wash the guests' feet. Most people at the time would, be, would sort of wear sandals made of kind of rope and animal skin. And if you imagine, you know, wandering around in a desert land and combination of sweat and dust and sand, animal waste, if you've forded a river, you've walked through churned up mud, um, it meant foot washing was more than a symbolic welcome, but a necessary part of kind of basic household hygiene. Now, the foot washing would normally be carried out by a lowly slave or a servant, and if the household wasn't rich enough to have staff, then it would probably be a junior member of the family. And although it was a sort of a fundamental tenet of Jewish hospitality, it was still seen as a menial task. And I think it's quite self-evident why. Um, you know, cleaning someone's feet is probably not the most attractive uh, task at the best of times, let alone when they're caked in grime and sweat and waste and mud. So it's this really interesting thing. This ancient Jewish practice of hospitality was quite transactional on the one hand, providing safety from threats, food and water in a desert region, but at the same time, also strangely intimate, physical and ritualistic, seen in the washing of feet and uh, other etiquettes, such as a welcoming kiss on the cheek and you know, the application of scented oil to hair and beards. So when we understand it in this context, the second reading we heard about Simon's house has a completely different significance. I don't know about you, but when someone comes into my house, I don't take their shoes off and wash their feet. I don't rub scented oil into their hair. They might get a kiss on the cheek. Um, but I, I was trying to think, what's, what's the equivalent? What's, you know, that's how they would have understood it when, when that unfolded then. But what's the equivalent for us? Is there, is there a, a similar cultural practice that we observe in modern Britain when a guest comes into our house. Now, any direct comparison ultimately is going to be flawed, but one example I think is uh, tea. For most British people, if you go around their house for any length of time, at some stage or several, you'll probably be uh, offered a, a cup of tea. But imagine if you're around someone's house, there's a couple of people there, and the host made cups of tea 
for everyone there except for you. Didn't even ask if you wanted one. Utterly unthinkable, right? Madness. You'd probably tell that story for the rest of your life. And, and uh, I'm, not, I'm not advocating rewriting the Bible, but if you want to get a sort of a sense of how first gen- century Jews would have, would have understood that situation in Simon's house as it played out, um, it's a fun and helpful exercise to imagine, imagine Jesus going around to Simon's house and Simon makes a cup of tea for everyone except Jesus. When everyone has tea, he then brings out a delicious cake and serves everyone a slice, except Jesus. When everyone has, the, uh, has the, had the, the cake, he opens a box of chocolates, offering, offering one to everyone except for Jesus. If that happened to me, I would probably leave in embarrassment and confusion. So Jesus has received this distinct lack of hospitality from Simon, then faced criticism, but he takes that opportunity to show kindness and recognize the dignity in an undesirable, ostracized individual, the sinful woman. And Jesus' example here of giving dignity and value to someone who society at the same time would have done the opposite is far from an isolated example. In fact, it was pretty much his modus Operandi, open the Gospels at random, and you'll probably find somewhere on that page Jesus positively interacting with someone that society would have considered undesirable, whether it was a Samaritan, uh, people considered richly unclean, lepers, tax collectors, notable sinners, women, foreigners, the disabled, all people who Jesus consistently throughout his ministry sought out and showed love and care and dignity, people that society would have looked on as undesirable. And this is reflected in the Greek word used in the New Testament for hospitality. The word, when you see hospitality in the Bible, it's usually translated from the Greek word philozenia, which literally means the love of strangers. And it's the sort of root opposite word to a Greek word that's still in use today, xenophobia, which literally means the hatred or fear of strangers. Philozenia, the love of strangers. Xenophobia, the fear of strangers. And that's what hospitality is. Is showing love to strangers, are going above and beyond the love we have for our immediate circle, but extending those, that circle outwards to include those with no status, no relationship to us, those society deems undesirable, and even those we dislike or who have wronged us. And it's a countercultural statement and process where the prevailing culture today says, what about my needs, my status, my resources? What about me? The simple biblical act of hospitality just kind of quietly says, well, what about others? What about their needs? What about their value? We can see it in the command and practice of caring for strangers in Leviticus and the Old Testament, and also in how Jesus interacted with people seen as undesirable. 
It's also a countercultural statement in a world where many seek to pit one group against another, stoking fear and hatred by denigrating and dehumanizing people. The biblical act of hospitality does the opposite, recognizing and celebrating people's humanity and inherent dignity, that they are people first and foremost, not problems. At the core of biblical hospitality is the simple act of recognizing that all humans, with no exceptions, and that's the really challenging part, because you, when you, all humans are made in the image of God, are deeply loved and valued. When you say no exception, you start to think of you know, the most evil and terrible people in history. And you think, well, surely not them. Surely they're not deeply loved and valued and have inherent dignity. And that's something I find really, really challenging to get my head around. So I think we can sometimes think of hospitality as kind of entertaining people, having people around for a party or for a dinner. And um, that's great. That's a wonderful thing to do. But it's, that's kind of hospitality on, on easy mode. The kind of true hospitality, this biblical hospitality, is the extension of that circle outwards, gathering in, interacting with the sort of people you probably wouldn't be likely to be entertaining. Now, practically, there's lots of different ways to do that, and um, don't worry, I'm not going to suggest you invite 10 strangers off the street into your house for dinner, um, although if you wanted to, go for it. Um, there's lots of different ways you can do that, both big and small. And to a degree, it's, what's not important is how you're reaching out to people and how you're showing hospitality. Um, what's important is that it starts from a condition of the heart. It starts from a place of recognizing the dignity in, and value in all people, especially those seen as undesirable in society, and simply having love for them, understanding the unconditional love that God has for them. So I, I did say I'm not going to challenge you to invite 10 strangers off the street and into your house for dinner, but I do have a challenge. I do have something um, you can try and do. Um, so why don't we try uh, once this week, just once, or perhaps once every week, to look for an opportunity, to look for someone who can do nothing for you, who you don't know, a stranger, an undesirable, and see if you can show them an act of hospitality. It could be a small gesture, like a friendly smile to a traffic warden. Um, I did that once, I smiled it was probably accidentally at a traffic warden, and uh, the look of shock on their face, I think, I think basically no one ever smiles at traffic wardens, um, possibly because you, know, you might have had a ticket from their other colleagues. And, uh, I do it now, whenever I see a traffic warden, I smile at them just to see them slightly freak out. Um, so, so it could be a, a small gesture, like a, a friendly smile to a traffic warden or a street sweeper. Uh, it could be letting someone just go ahead of you in traffic when it's your right of way. Uh, or something bigger, like buying a homeless person some food and sitting and talking with them. Or, or reaching out to the person at, at work or at the school gates who, who nobody likes. And again, it, 
what's, what's important is not kind of what you do, it's not the manifestation, it's not the action, it's, it's not something you should, you know, have I done my act of hospitality this week? What is absolutely key and vital is the condition of the heart. That's the starting point. A love for strangers and undesirable. Having your circle and extending it outwards. So Joe's going to come back up in a bit. Um, but just before he does, I'm just going to pray and ask God to show us an opportunity where we could do that this week. Father God, I thank you that your great and unconditional love extends outwards to all of humanity, to everyone. And Father, I, give, I pray that you would give us a sense of that. And a sense to want to share that love outwards. And God, I pray that right now that you just place into people's minds uh, an opportunity, a place, an individual, as they see through the next seven days, I just pray right now you'd place into people's minds somewhere or someone, some opportunity where they can show hospitality to someone who has no status, to someone who can't help us, to someone who has nothing to offer us, to an undesirable, to a stranger. Jesus' name, amen.